Game day is underway. This is the Wingstop Kickoff Show, presented by Clearwater Irrigation and Kohler Homes Windows and Doors. Here are your hosts, Mia O'Brien and Rick Ballou. Oh, Lordy, we can only hope and pray that the Jaguars do punt today on this fine, fine Sunday, or should I say they should make the other yeah, team you don't punt? Want the punt. Yeah, that's true. We don't want the Jags punt. I'm sorry. Nah. It's still it's still early. 8 a.m. Me, O'Brien, Rick. Hell Bullen. yeah, it's early. Two there's n- no place I'd rather be. Two night owls rocking with you on the kickoff show here on a week 14 edition with Casey Dobson at the ones and twos. Uh, Casey already said to me as I walked in, walked into 1010 XL headquarters, Rick. Oh, what? Did, did you party a little too much last night? And I was like, no, no, no. I said, no, I was in bed by 10, uh, 1030, mm. but I had an extra fall asleep probably till after that. There you go. Yeah. You got an extra yeah. promo, too. Yeah, doing a little bit of everything, apparently. So, uh, and Casey Dobson's doing a little bit of everything as well. So, uh, but yeah, no, I, uh, okay, all right, okay, he's he's really awake. So, anyways, that was the <laughs> point of me bringing all this up, is that Casey Dobson is alive and well, and he's, like, ready to rumble over there. He's pressing all the right buttons. And uh, and meanwhile, you know, me and Rick are, are just waking up, but we are fired up to be with you on this fine Sunday morning and uh, excited for the Jaguars to potentially pull up an upset yeah, up in I, Nashville. I picked them on Friday, and uh, a lot of folks thought that, you know, I was bringing them some sarcasm or trying to take them in a direction that uh, I could not support. And here's the way I look at it. We sat in these two chairs last Sunday, and we talked about 4-7 and seven Jacksonville and 4-7 and seven Detroit and how – in my opinion, and I believe you agree with me, they were better than their records. Today, Tennessee, to me, is worse than their record. And you know what? I've said that forever in college basketball. I've said that forever in college football because especially in basketball, when you have eight or nine non-conference games, if you're a heavy, you know, you may be 9-0 and or 8-1. and You're like, hmm, I don't know if they're as good as their record. I don't know if I've ever said this before in the National Football League. But if you really break into the numbers and add the injuries that are happening right now in Nashville, I think this team is worse than their 7-5 and record. And the reality of the matter is, if you're familiar with the Philadelphia Eagles, when they made their playoff run one year ago and they won, I believe it was 5 of 6 to end the season, when you looked at their whole schedule when 2021-2022 was said and done, all their wins – we're over teams with losing records, and that's yeah. what the Philadelphia, or excuse me, that's what the Tennessee Titans look like right now with their wins over the Las Vegas Raiders, who obviously had quite the dramatic loss again on Thursday Night Football against the Rams this past week. The Indianapolis Colts, who are waves hands and gestures, quite frankly, everywhere. The Washington Commanders, who may be the best of the bunch. Yeah, I'll give you that. They have a winning record. Might be the best of the bunch. Right. The Houston Texans, the Denver Broncos, the Green Bay Packers. Those that's are that's a nice the tit- win. Okay, the Packers are a nice one. Because it was on the road. And it was in Green Bay. It yep. was on. It was in primetime on yep. Thursday night. So I will give them that. And obviously, you can never count Aaron Rodgers out. No. Especially in an NFC that's even more wide open for the wild card race than the AFC. Yeah, I mean, it's this is not classic as we know, Green Bay. But, you know, I'm just, I'm just, I'm buying into the fact that you go to Lambeau, that's still a very difficult place to go win a football game. So... That was a nice win for them. Uh, What I think is going to be fascinating today is we see coaches get fired all the time, and how do teams react? Do they play in spite of that coach who was let go? Are they upset that that coach was let go, and they play extra hard? Uh, In this case now, it's a, a general manager, and, you know, my understanding is that a lot of players really like John Robinson. John Robinson signed... Obviously, all of these guys, he's had 
seven really good years. He's on the cusp of winning his third divisional title in a row, seven years without ever having a losing season. I haven't been able to get – I had a couple of different members of, of Tennessee's um, media on this week to try to get an answer. Is this a Bill O'Brien victory over Houston's management? Uh, we saw a similar battle that took place a couple of years ago in Indianapolis. I never got a definitive answer to that question. What Did this become Robinson against Vrabel? Is this now firmly – Vrabel's team. Nonetheless, it's going to be interesting to see how Tennessee comes out and plays this afternoon, knowing that John Robinson is no longer their GM. Yeah, Teresa Walker, who's the AP writer up in Nashville, was able to get a hold of Amy Adams-Strunk, the controlling owner of the Tennessee Titans. And I'm not sure if you got a chance to listen to her interview with her, Rick, but what Amy Adams-Strunk basically said was, we were going to eventually be making this change. This decision was made prior to the Philadelphia Eagles and A.J. Brown, former Titan, lighting up the Nashville squad one week ago today. And so she felt like if we were going to make the decision eventually, we might as well make it immediately, in the words of Jeremy Foley, former University of Florida athletic director. And so, and Red Sox fan. And Red Sox fan, for what it's worth. Right. Um, but no, but what Amy Adams Strunk said that was most striking to me, and I had a couple friends in the media and scouting world that noted this to me, is that the Tennessee Titans front office has a bunch of potential rock stars, mm-hmm. including uh, Ryan Cowan, who was promoted to the interim general manager role. And so perhaps knowing that that talent could walk if she waited to fire Robinson until the end of the season or during the playoffs, she wanted to ensure that those guys had the confidence of, hey, I may be done with John, but I'm not done with you. I'm going to give you essentially six weeks, seven weeks to audition for the role. Yeah, and she talked about higher expectations. And, you know, it's just amazing. If you look at what's going on there, then you look at what's happened here and how patient this organization has been going through the Gene Smith years, the David Caldwell years, and here we are now in year two uh, with Trent Bulky. But I just, you know, to JAG fans, imagine winning 60% of your games. Imagine having seven consecutive non-losing seasons. In 2014 and 2015, uh, you know, Tennessee was awful. They, they, they were bottom feeders uh, in the NFL, and, and this guy turned it around. Now, admittedly, he's made a lot of mistakes, okay? Certainly the trade for Julio Jones backfired. The Bud Dupree signing hasn't gone over the way they wanted it to. Um, trading A.J. Brown, then having get having them get exposed. Caleb Farley, oh, Isaiah yeah. Wilson. They're all injured. I mean, Wilson's out. Farley's been nicked up. I, Wilson was a disaster. He ended up playing one game in the NFL. So a lot of bad decisions. But again, just kind of compare that to what's going on around here. And I hate to start the show this way, but it, to me, it's, it's one franchise that is saying, we, it, this was a Steinbrenner-esque move. George Steinbrenner. Thank you. Yankee fan Mio O'Brien approves. George Steinbrenner fired Dick Hauser after he won 100 ball games. 100 games. And Steinbrenner was bananas, but all he wanted to do was win. And that's kind of the feeling I get right now about Nashville. They're going to win the division. They're going to get knocked out in the first round of the playoffs. We all know that. I mean, we can all project that right now, but they want to turn this thing around. They're not going to be able to live off Derrick Henry forever. It's been proven with running backs. No, especially the last two weeks when he's been limited to less than 50 yards in both of those games. And so that's what's going to be curious if he's, you know, I, I listen, he's susceptible right now. 
This yeah. Tennessee Titans offense is susceptible, and we're going to dive into that matchup. What a bad offensive line they have. Yeah, exactly. We'll dive into that and a whole lot more right here on the Wingstop Kickoff Show throughout the duration of this program. We are with you for the next two hours. I want to go back, though, to your tweet. Yes. Time-stamped. Mm-hmm. 2.52 p.m. I did it for clicks. So some of the, they think that I get paid based on Twitter clicks, which is just outstanding, oh, by the way. 2.52 p.m., Friday, December 9th. Rick Ballou at Ballou1010XL. I should be suspended or fined by 1010XL, but I'm picking the Jags over the Titans. There it is. You walked in this morning, Rick, and you said you stand by your pick. I know we don't do picks until the end of the show, so we'll circle back, but I just have to ask. You're still feeling confident. I am. Six guys are out for Tennessee. Three defensive starters. Their their leader in sacks is out in Autry. Their leading tackler is going to miss another game in David Long. Their best corner is out in Christian Fulton. You go to offense, their best wide receiver in Traylon Burks is out. Robert Woods still has the potential to, to come up big, but I want to say he's got 33 receptions in 12 games so far this year. And that offensive line is one of the worst in the NFL. Uh, this week, reading some stuff in Nashville, uh, somewhere I read that Dennis Daly, their left tackle, is the worst left tackle in the history of the National Football League. Okay? According to, uh, what, what's the t- pro well, football focus? Or? No, it was, a, it was a particular writer's opinion. Obviously, there's some hyperbole there. But the bottom line, they are terrible when it comes to pass protecting Uh, Ryan Tannehill, and you talked about King Henry. He's gone four games in a row without going north of 100. And in those last four games, he's only averaging 3.1 yards a carry. I had Teron Davenport on from ESPN.com, who covers the Titans on Friday on my show. And he said he went back and did some film study that in the last couple of games, after one yard, that is where Derrick Henry is getting hit, and he is being asked to, you know, acquire yards after contact. After one yard, that's the way this offensive line is. But we know Jacksonville has been anything but but stout as of late when it comes to defending the run. But I kind of like Jacksonville today, even with the great Derrick Henry there. I think they're going to be able to do a decent job jamming up the run, and if you put the pressure on Tannehill and ask him to beat you in the air, they are 31st in the NFL with their passing offense. The Yuli native has not gone north of 100 yards since November 6th when the Titans traveled to the Chiefs. If you remember that game, that uh, true barn burner out at Arrowhead on Sunday Night Football. He went for 115 yards with seven carries. Uh, He had two touchdowns in that game. He has had one touchdown in the four games since then. Yeah. So it's... It's obviously an offense that is broken in some variety. Can the Jaguars capitalize on it? Before we dive into this matchup, we'll have our keys to the game brought to you by Instant Keys. We'll have a couple visits in from folks up in Nashville throughout the duration of the program, but I do want to take a look back real quick at last week's games for both yeah. of these sides. So let's begin with the Titans since we're talking about Derrick Henry and his performance against the Philadelphia Eagles one week ago. 11 carries for 30 yards, a 2.7 yard per carry average. Philadelphia is arguably the best team in the National Football League right now, if record, if in record alone. So clearly they were able to exploit him. Ryan Tannehill, 14 of 22 for 141 carries. That is not just something that has occurred over the past month. That has kind of been his moniker, his calling card throughout the course of this year, doing the bare minimum. I know he was called a game manager in years past. He maybe disproved that theory one year ago. 
but he's right back to where he was four or five years ago. Yeah. He, he, and, you know, it was, it was a nice bump up for him when that move was made. That was another trade that John Robinson uh, did go ahead and make. Uh, he did some really good things for them early on. I, I think it's crystal clear, you know, all three divisional opponents in the AFC South who Jacksonville faced, they're, they're all going to be in the market, in my opinion, next year for a quarterback. Yeah, you still have the very young Malik Willis who is there. Uh, but I just believe Tennessee is going to go in that direction. I love Doug Peterson. I think it was on Monday. He said, yeah, Tennessee, kind of like us, we uh, they let one slip away. And I was like, well, Jacksonville lost 40 to 14 and Tennessee lost 35 to 10. That's a combined score of 75 to 24. And his definition is slip away boy I would hate to see what his definition of a blowout is Mia and for what it's worth uh the rest of the AFC South not much better the Texans defeated 27-14 by the lowly Browns in Deshaun Watson's return uh and then it got worse Sunday night football the Colts demolished let one slip sorry sorry not demolish let one slip away yeah to the Dallas Cowboys 54 to 19 here we spent all our life you know yelling about prevent and we saw the Jets two years ago, not play prevent. They played man-to-man, and it led to Trevor Lawrence in Duval. And then watching Monday night football, I, excuse me, Thursday night football, you, you've got to be kidding me. Keep everything in front of you. But no, a 98-yard drive and uh, Baker Mayfield uh, with a new life once again now in Los Angeles. So uh, we saw that over the Raiders. Speaking of secondaries, the Eagles carved up the Titans secondary, and that was with Christian Fulton. He is obviously out for this game. We'll get to the Farrah and Farrah injury report coming up in just a little bit. Jalen Hurts, 29 of 39 one week ago for 380 yards, three passing touchdowns. The run game, though, never really got going against this Tennessee Titans front seven, and that is something I know that we're going to touch on in keys to the game most certainly. Miles Sanders and company held to just 67 total yards on the ground. The Eagles' lead back had just 24 yards, Rick, on 10 carries. Yeah, and, and again, not to be ridiculous, redundant early on the program, but, uh, you know, this team does not support their numbers. They're one of the few teams in the NFL that actually runs the football more than they pass it. Defensively, they do a nice job against the run. Before we went on air, I told you, I think Jacksonville wins today. And I never say this. I never say it, that I think they're going to win the game if they can pass. I'm always about run, run the ball, run the ball and stop the run. Well, Tennessee does a decent job against the run. If they have some success today, with Travis Etienne, and they're able to run this football against Tennessee. This depleted secondary, and they are just terrible against the pass, Tennessee. This really sets up well. This is the primary reason why I'm picking Jacksonville today, because I really believe that Trevor Lawrence is going to be able to get the football to his weapons, and I want this to be the higher scoring of a game, the better off I think it is for Jacksonville. If this is a 17-16 game, to me, that spells Tennessee. If this becomes a 28-24 or a 31-30 game, I think that favors the Jaguars. Trevor Lawrence, 17 of 31 for 179 yards, one passing touchdown a week ago in that blowout loss to the Detroit Lions. But for what it's worth, he really didn't have as many opportunities, Rick, and that had nothing to do with his toe injury. It more so had to do with possessions and the fact that the Lions just maintained the time of possession. They, they never got off the field, and as we uh, started this program off with, they never punted. No, they didn't, uh, and you know, and and took knees at the end of the game. But um, you know, they scored on all eight of their possessions. That that's the other side. For those out there who think I'm crazy for picking Jacksonville, I do understand 
that side of your thinking. Um, the way that they played last week, is that it? I mean, is is everything been deflated? Um, I don't believe so. I, I still think that this team has a lot of character. This team is unpredictable, and this team will be able to respond. But I, I do understand that some people are kind of making that case. When you laid down and allowed 40 points against Detroit, how do you expect them to all of a sudden wake up a week later and go into the house of horrors where they have not won since 2013? And overall, they've lost nine out of the last 10, five in a row. That No matter which way you look at the numbers here between these two teams, it absolutely favors Tennessee. Doug Peterson believes that was a one-off in Detroit last week. Does Frank Frangie think it was a one-off for the Jaguars? We say hello to the voice of the Jags. Coming up next, you are listening to the Wingstop Kickoff Show, brought to you by Kohler Homes and Clearwater Irrigation. Starting your game day, the Wingstop Kickoff Show, presented by Clearwater Irrigation and Kohler Homes Windows and Doors on 1010XL. All right, Rick, I got to admit... My soundtrack, is that it? Your soundtrack, of course, but I kind of cheated a little bit this morning. Me? Me! Oh. Cheated a little bit with Lee. With the music riddle this morning, Casey Dobson back in the producer's saddle after one week away while on wedding duty down in Daytona Beach. Hello, producer Casey. How are you on this fine morning? Good morning, Mia. And what? Yeah, well, because I stepped over to your computer uh, so that I could assist in setting up the show this morning and i did see he already had this song queued up from the apollo creed oh yeah creed, the creed soundtrack so i already knew what the first song was gonna be so that's one what, of my faves that's what i meant in regards to me cheating i already knew the first I see, song i see how it is well uh, i can tell you that the guy that's on the line might have mentioned something on his show friday about what we what we might be in for today oh okay well let's say hello to that gentleman on yeah. the fair and Farrah phone line now Another interview on the Farrah and Farrah phone line, brought to you by the accident attorneys at Farrah and Farrah. All right, let's go to Nashville. Let's talk with Frank Frangie. Of course, he is the voice of the Jaguars, the Jags, trying to snap that ugly losing streak uh, at the hands of the Tennessee Titans. Can they pull it off this afternoon? We'll find out. Kickoff, of course, is at 1 o'clock. Frank, how are things in Nashville? We're doing great, Rick. Hey, and good morning to you and me. Uh, and to Casey, I, I don't know that song was just playing, but just hearing it, it's got Rick Blue written all over it. I'll say that. That's got to be on the iPod, doesn't it, Rick? Or the it, iPad or the Oh, yeah. For sure. Well, I've, I've got it on my 8-track, and, uh, <laughs> and you know, we barrel down uh, Phillips with that. And uh, it's a good thing we don't, we're not on YouTube right now because I've been literally sitting here dancing in my chair. I have no doubt. So good morning to you guys. It is a uh, uh, good to be here in Nashville. Rick, you'll appreciate this. It's the first time we've been to Nashville in a long time when it's not 30 degrees below zero. Mm-hmm. Remember how many cold, how many cold games we've like really cold games we've had up here? Yeah, it's, it's, it, me, I can tell you the trips we've taken up here. You would think Nashville was Buffalo. It has been so cold for some of the for whatever reason. These Jaguar December road trips to to Nashville have been cold, but today it's, it, the rain has cleared out. It's about 52 degrees. It's not bad at all, and it's odd that the Jags and the Titans play for the first time in December. That's never happened. They've always played once early and once late, so it'll be interesting to see what happens. I I will say this. The eight years that I was the sideline reporter, without question, the coldest football game I worked was in Nashville. Not Buffalo, not Cleveland, not New England, not Pittsburgh, not New Jersey, right there in Nashville. 2017, it was the 17 game. We 
That, that's the one you're talking about, right? Red yeah. Blue was oh, yeah. Pretty, unbelievably cold. Yeah. Well, well, it's all good, Frank, because they got the cold weather game out of the way when the Gators went up to play the Commodores of Vanderbilt right. a couple weeks ago. That was right. the 20-degree, uh, the we-need-chicken-broth yeah. game. Let's dive into this Jaguars-Titans matchup, though, and we'll begin with the headliner, which, surprisingly, we didn't even touch on in the first segment because I think Rick and I and some other folks in the media around here have felt pretty confident all week that Trevor Lawrence will indeed play. Adam Schefter of ESPN reporting last night, and obviously – they did not elevate EJ Perry, the practice squad quarterback yesterday. So that was some indication that Trevor will play despite the toe injury. What's your assessment of how good, how much he could do today against Tennessee? Yeah, Mia, he was never going to not try it. There was never a time during the week where they ever feared Trevor wasn't going to go out there, wasn't going to dress, wasn't going to be up, wasn't going to play. That was never the case. The, the question becomes, how will he move around? He's got a little bit, I think some of the media, you were probably down there, some of the media on Friday, Saw the kind of he's got a little steel plate that he put into the shoe. He tried to he did try to get out there Friday and run around a little bit. First time he really practiced. I think he's going to be okay. Uh, from what I'm told, it's not going to affect him. It's not going to affect throwing the football. You know, it's the plant foot. So you think would the plant foot affect it? He's okay there. The question is when you move around. And in today's NFL, there's RPOs, there's running plays, there's quarterback draws, and there's moving. There's always been moving around in the pocket. So that's the key, Mia, is how does he move around in the pocket? I think he's going to be okay. I, I would be very surprised if you look up and Trevor's limping around and, and, and his throws are wobbling because he can't step into him. I don't think that's the case. Will he run a little bit less? Maybe. I think what happened in the game, remember, after he came back into the game, he ran like crazy. Remember the two long runs early in the second half? And I think that's one of the reasons he was so sore on Monday. But my guess is Trevor will be okay. I, I, I don't think when we get to 4 o'clock, Whatever happened with the game, I don't think you'll look back and say, wow, Trevor didn't look like himself. I don't expect that. Yeah, and, and absolutely, you, you look at Tennessee, they they do get after the quarterback. Uh, there's no question about it. 33 sacks, however, today, that without Denico Autry, leads the team. He has seven. And, you know, Tennessee does a nice job defending the run. So, for me, Frank, this becomes a game in which you're really going to have to rely on your quarterback. The flip side is Tennessee – is not a good pass defense, despite the fact that they do have success getting to the quarterback. And on top of that, their top corner in Christian Fulton isn't going to be able to play. So I always talk about run, 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 and how it fixes everything. I really don't think that's the game plan today for Jacksonville. I think if they win this game, it's because Lawrence is able to hit his weapons. To your point, Rick, if you're dead on, to your point, the Titans are 31st in the league in pass defense. They're allowing 200, think about this, they're allowing 276 yards a game passing. That's second worst in the league. So, yeah, if you attack them, that's how you got to attack them. And the other thing, too, is you've got to be careful you don't play from behind with Tennessee. That's the big thing. Rick, a lot of those sacks, look, they've lost two in a row, but they've got off to a pretty good start. They were a 7-3 and three football team. And a lot of those sacks came when they got ahead and they started handing it to Derrick Henry and they started beating on you. Then you started to panic, so you had to pass a lot, and then they could tee off on their pass rushers, Danico Andre. Bud Dupree could tee off on you. The key is don't get into that game. Don't get into the game where you look up and you're down 14 to six and it's middle of the third. Now you're down 17 to six and, and they beat on you and beat on you and beat on you. That's how they, they're bully ball, man. That's how they play. And you got to try and stay out of that game with them. But I agree with you. You can beat Tennessee over the top and you may see that sometime or today in the ballgame. Frank Frangie joining us on the Fair and Farrah phone line. On the other side of the defensive side of the ball for Tennessee is their run game, which as Rick has noted twice now in the program already, and we're only a half hour into this two-hour shebang. 
the fact that their de- run defense for Tennessee is as good as it is. And knowing that Travis Etienne, Frank, hasn't been able to get going after those back-to-back-to-back 100-yard games in the middle of the season, how do you anticipate the Jaguars approaching their run game against the Titans? Yeah, they're third in the league, man. To your point, they're, they're very good against the run, not so good against the pass. I think you'll see some running plays that aren't running plays today, Mia. I think you'll see some screens swinging out of the backfield, which really is a running play, but it's not really a running play. I think you'll see some of that. Here's an interesting thing. They've got to get Travis Etienne, Mia, where he doesn't take so many hits. He runs so hard. He hits the hole so fast. By the time he hits to the second level, he's going 100 miles an hour. And one of the concerns they have, I can tell you, is he's getting hit too hard too much. That leads to some injuries. We've seen it. It leads to a fumble. We've seen it. We've got a, He's got a, the great running backs get to the hole quick, and then they change speeds. Then they get skinny. Then they find the hole. Then they avoid the linebacker. That's what he hasn't done yet. He gets to the hole lightning quick. He might spin away from the guy and keep running, but he's got to learn to, to kind of check it down a little bit to a second gear when he gets to that second level and make the next guy miss. So keep an eye on that today with Travis Etienne. That's the next part of his development. He's getting hit hard an awful lot, and it's led to injuries and fumbles. So to your question, you're going to see him involved a lot. You need Travis Etienne to beat the Titans. Nobody debates that. But I I wouldn't be surprised to see some screens swinging out of the backfield, try and get him isolated on a linebacker. Almost more of that than we've seen in the past. I'm going to guess 15, 16 carries, not 22, assuming he's healthy and maybe a seven or eight target. That'd be my guess for Travis Etienne. Yeah, and hopefully as well, maybe a little bit more catching the ball out of the backfield. The numbers aren't where I think most projected right. as far as him catching the ball so far this year. You know, I think it was in August at some point. I, I ranked uh, Jaguar games as far as difficulty, one through 17, and it went, you know, the trip to L.A. at Philly, too, and then this game here uh, at Tennessee. Obviously, they blew out the Chargers. They blew a 14 14- nothing lead at Philly and now here's this game and it's on the heels of we saw what happened a week ago 40 to 14 so I I think among so many things with Jacksonville they have been unpredictable this year what's your feeling on the mental makeup of this club and the ability to just let go of what happened seven days ago yeah, I agree with you, Rick. And, and obviously, at Kansas City is on your list, too. All, all of our lists, too. You're right. There were some tough games. Uh, you know yes, what? I yes, don't, you're I don't, right. Yeah, no yeah, doubt. Yeah. But, but I hear you. I, I agree with you. Those, those, we all had the same game. I think you're completely right. The, I don't think this, is a, this team has a good culture, because that's a great question. Where, where, where's their head after they got blasted last week? This team has a good culture, Rick. I, 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 we've been around them. You've been around them. Um, I, I, last year, this team would have fallen apart. That's not the way they are. They're ticked off. They're embarrassed. They know they laid an egg last week. They're kind of scratching their heads. Why? It's the only time it happened all year. It's the only time they weren't competitive all year. So why did that happen? I think so. I think that's where their head is for, for for the most part. They also understand the significance of it. They haven't won here since 2013. This is a new regime and new and a lot of new players. But they still haven't won. They're still wearing the same logo that hasn't won up here since 2013. So they understand that. They are serious. This group is not. They're not wounded because of what happened last week. They're not going to fold up into a shell if things go wrong early on. I think their mental makeup and their resolve is better than that. Having said that, it's the ticked-off Titans team, too. Forget the Jaguars. The Titans have lost twice in a row. Derrick Henry hasn't run at all. I think he's averaging three yards a carry, 3.2 his last three games. He hasn't done much lately. They haven't been the Titans. People are starting to doubt them a little bit. There's a lot of talk up here. Well, the only reason they're winning the division is the division thing. That's what people up here are saying. And so they've been doubted. They've lost twice in a row. They just got blasted. 
here comes their rival. The last thing they want is to lose to their rival, one of their rivals who hasn't won here in 10 years. So they're certainly motivated. The Jags know what happened last week. I think the, the mental back and forth is going to be really fun to watch uh, today. I think you're going to see a lot of the psychology play out in this game. A couple more for Frank Frangie on the Fair and Farrah phone line. Frank, perhaps the biggest reason for last week's debacle in Detroit was the defense, and it was the passing defense on the part of the Jaguars. A lot of questions. Beyond Tyson Campbell, who do they really have on the back end? Is Rayshon Jenkins playing the nickel now? Obviously, Andre Sisco was held out of last week's game. He is questionable going into this one, but Doug Peterson seemed optimistic that he will play. Is that enough for this team? What do you make of their secondary as of this writing? Yeah, two things, man. Number one, you know what happened last week, and Rick, Rick, you'll appreciate this, because Rick knows boxing better than anybody I know. Last week was almost like that prize fight where it's hyped and hyped and hyped, and then the guy gets knocked down in the first round, and then he can never really get up again. You know what I mean? It was, it was that kind of game. You get, you get that early knockdown, and then you're scrambling the whole game. I think the Travis Etienne fumble, then the touchdown. Then the, the Zay Jones drop, which led to a field goal, then another touchdown. Next thing you know, they never could get off the deck after that first round. As for your question about the secondary, the good thing, Mia, is they play a running team today. There's not a lot of weapons. I guess Robert Woods is the best wide receiver. He's just a guy. He's a 30-year-old guy that's just a guy. Their tight ends are pretty good. So you don't have to be as good in the secondary as you weren't last week. I think you're going to see physical secondary. I wouldn't mind. I wouldn't be surprised if they go back to more of the veteran guys. They've tried the young guys back there. They've tried Buster Brown back there. They've tried Devon Campbell, who's a little bit of a journeyman back there. I wouldn't be surprised if you see some of the more veteran guys playing. Darius Williams more outside. I wouldn't be surprised to see some more big nickel with, with, with Dewey in there some. I think the idea is, the real idea is to play physical. Uh, you got to worry about passing teams when you play a passing team, Mia, but right now this is So a lot of Dewey, a lot of Darius Williams staying outside. Uh, I, think, I think that's what you're going to see. There's a question is what happened to linebacker without Chad Miller. Yeah. But I don't think you're worried about them throwing it over the top. I don't see that today. Be physical. Stop Derrick Henry. That's the game plan. Yeah, and I want to wrap with that because, uh, listen, I, I love fans, and, and fans are never wrong. And let me give you the perfect example. Uh, last year at this time, fans were convinced that Tyson Campbell couldn't play. A lot in the media, uh, a lot of us in the media were convinced he could not play. He completely turned things around second half of the season. Muma can't go. Here comes a second opportunity for Devin Lloyd. A similar situation? Does the light go on today for Devin Lloyd? Or is it the other side where... Right now, let's face it, he's just lost, and, and don't expect him to play a big game today. Here's my guess, Rick, and you're right. It's a great opportunity, and he got he had last week, you know he played some in some funky situations. He had, he's had a couple weeks just to watch, right, to see what's going on out there. Now he's back in the lineup. So, so does the light go on for him? Uh, he's a tough-nosed guy. He has been confused. He hasn't known where to line up, and that's been one of their biggest concerns. Rick, my question with Devin Lloyd, is he really an inside lineup? I, I've said all along, and I really believe this in my heart of hearts, that Trayvon Walker is better is a lineman with his hand on the ground. I know they've tried to play him outside, but that's just that's just my uneducated opinion. Watching, same question with Devin Lloyd. He's got to play inside linebacker today. Shaq Quarterman now becomes the third linebacker, and I wouldn't be surprised to see fifty in there a little bit. But he's got to play inside linebacker. The question is, is he an inside linebacker? Is he a guy that's ultimately going to be an edge or a Sam and play in space uh, as his career moves along? But for today, your question is a good one. Can he, can, he, can he find himself now that he's thrust back into action? We will see. The most important thing he'll do, Rick, is, is help stop the run. He's going to have to cover some tight ends here and there, but they've got to stop the run today. We, what we don't need to see 
is Derrick Henry stiff-arming people into oblivion like we've seen way too much time, way too many times when these teams get together. That is that is job one, two, and three for Devin Lloyd and the rest of that team. He's got to cover Jeff Swaim. But keep him on Swaim today. I <laughs> got it, man to man. Former, man former Jaguar alert there. Uh, Frank, we're one and one in the last two weeks. When I've asked you this question, we might as well try to get a winning record out of it. Your X factor in this game for either the Jaguars or the Titans, who will be the difference maker? Yeah, that's a great question, man. I've thought a lot about that. I could talk about defensive guys all day long. I could talk about linebackers stopping Derrick Henry. Obviously, that's a big part of it. But I think they've got to throw the football. I think if they win the game today, Christian Kirk has that big game. He has. Jay Jones had the game two weeks ago, and we talked about this. If they win the football game today, it's because the because the Titans couldn't cover Christian Kirk. I'd like to see Kirk get the double digits in catches. I'd like to see Kirk score a couple times at least once. I think you're not going to run on them. We've already talked about that. Uh, I don't know that Zay Jones is healthy yet. He's going to play, but I still think that chest cavity thing bothers him. Right now, you go to your stars. If there's one guy, if we walk away from here and Christian Kirk has nine for 142 and two touchdowns, I think the Jags have won the game. Keep an eye on 13 today. Christian Kirk had 104 yards last week. Absolutely. Huge game for him, no doubt about it. We'll see what happens. His first opportunity to take on Tennessee as a member of the Jaguars. But only three uh, players on this roster have actually uh, knocked off Tennessee. It's unbelievable. I mean, rosters change, uh, obviously, hand over fist year after year. Frank, have a great call. We'll talk with you soon. Thank you so much. All right, Rick and Take care. There he goes. Frank Frangie, voice of the Knoll. Uh, excuse me, voice of the uh The Knolls. I got the Knolls in my mind, man. They've had a huge they've had a huge week. They've had a huge, huge, huge week. Are you going to the cheese at bowl? Do you think I'll get Are you are you feeling the cheesiest? Did you wake up feeling the cheesiest? I haven't decided yet, but do you think I'll get fined for um making a mistake and not saying Jaguars, or do you think I'll get fined for just saying Knowles. Or will you get fined because you picked the Jaguars to beat yeah. the Titans against all odds? That's it, the real question. It, it, we'll have all off season to do this. But isn't it really frustrating to hear what Frank said? I mean, they take their two first round picks and they just don't know what to do with them. And, you know, I remember when this franchise tried Jalen Ramsey at free safety and they moved Taven Bryan all along, and they moved Miles Jack all over the place, and they never really found a place for Caleb on chase on, who is back this afternoon. It just feels like, you know, defensively when they make these moves, it doesn't matter who the general manager is, they don't know where to play him. Jo- Josh Allen falls into that category. So, you know, Jackson will probably select defensive end Miles Murphy out of Clemson, asking to move inside and play three technique. I, let's just... Let's prepare. I mean, God forbid, don't draft the guy at the position he plays and then keep him at that position once he becomes a member of the Jaguars. Well, especially because the question mark over the last few years has been, who have the Jaguars actually developed? Who has this coaching staff actually taught and molded into their image? It's a very, very short list. I'm going to say I got to give him credit for Campbell, even though it was a different defensive coordinator. Okay. I'd love to say Cisco, but it, has Cisco been a little bit more hype than substance? You know, some, he, might, some might say that's fair to say. He leads the team in picks. He's done a nice job. Um, but I uh, put it this way. Let a couple go through his mitts as yeah, well. Probably I think should have about two or three more. I think Jaguar fans are expecting better football moving forward 
out of Andre Siska. They're expecting him to also be healthy, hopefully. Um, yeah. We'll see if he does play this afternoon. We're going to check in with the Farrah and Farrah injury report coming up next on the Wingstop Kickoff Show, brought to you by Kohler Homes and Clearwater Irrigation. This is the Wingstop Kickoff Show. Presented by Clearwater Irrigation and Kohler Homes Windows and Doors on 1010XL. I was what it means to be a man. All right, Jaguars pregame. Rick Ballou, me O'Brien with you till 10. Jaguars programming, though, all morning, afternoon, and into the night with the fifth quarter as well. Hopefully it's a victorious Sunday. Five games remain. Jacksonville at 4-8. You know, you get a chance to double dip today. You win here in Nashville, and obviously Tennessee loses it's a two-game swing with four to play. And, of course, the season ender, Nashville, the return trip here to Duval. Are you saying there's a chance? I am. You know me. I'm glass half full. Look at this right here. This is about a 82-ounce glass. There's three ounces left. You know what? In my mind, that's half full because I'm talking about the Jacksonville Jaguars. I'm wondering if that's what our Riddler, uh, Casey Dobson, producer extraordinaire, what was that last song about what it takes to be a man, something like that? Mm-hmm. You combine that with he had some Creed from the or music from the Creed soundtrack earlier. So we're going to start piecing together Good what times, his, bad his music times, riddle is. Right? Yes, so that's also. You know, I've had my share. Oh, always, always. So that's but a, the woman left town with another man. Mm, you know, ooh. you think mm. I'd seem to care. But Robert Plant's like, I don't care, man. Just walk another one towards me. Just that an, was his whole attitude. Might be onto something. Just keep, another storyline for us to keep tabs on throughout the course of the Wingstop kickoff show. Speaking of storylines, let's take a look at the injury report. The personal injury attorneys of Farah and Farah present this injury update. Farah and Farah. Jacksonville. Protecting you and your family since 1979. One player ruled out for your Jacksonville Jaguars, that being the rookie linebacker Chad Muma. Three players listed as questionable. That includes quarterback Trevor Lawrence, who again, ESPN's Adam Schefter reports, will play today against the Titans. They did not elevate E.J. Perry off of the practice squad, so that would indicate only two active quarterbacks on the roster in Trevor Lawrence and C.J. Beathard. I highly doubt Beathard gets the start and Trevor Lawrence is backing him up. Andre Sisco, Zay Jones, both also listed as questionable. The Jaguars did elevate Ty Summers from the practice squad, the inside linebacker, and they activated Caleb on Chase on from the injury, from the injured reserve. Sackman. The, what, what was that? That's his Twitter handle. He's the Sackman. The sa- oh, Sack Guru. Oh, Sack okay. Guru. That's why I was like, Sackman? No, Sack Guru. Sack Guru. The Sack Two guru. career sacks. I smell a third today. One of them was against the Titans, right. for what it's worth, in his second career game. So uh, maybe it's something against the Titans. So. How do, can you call yourself the Sack Guru when you're a first-round pick and you have two career sacks? And you run, <laughs> and you run like a T-Rex in the Sack videos. Um, I don't know. Uh, yeah, with, with the... Uh, the, the 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 delayed kind of hip scop uh what do they call it uh what's it called hip when you're a little kid and uh, uh, ho- uh hopscotch the hop, yeah he's got the hopscotch type move yeah go ahead and run that today hey i told you dennis daly there the nashville media is calling him the worst left tackle in the history of the national football league those are their call you know those are their comments not mine Six Tennessee Titans have been ruled out for this game. Danico Autry, as Rick told you earlier in the program, their leading sack getter out with a knee injury. Corner Trey Avery, wide receivers C.J. Board and Traylon Burks. Corner Christian Fulton, linebacker David Long, who they placed on injured reserve. And then three questionables, running back 
Hassan Haskins. Defensive tackle Jeffrey Simmons. That's a big one, needless to say, Rick. And then another defensive tackle in Tayer Tart. They are really beaten up. No question about it. Um, if you can slow down Derrick Henry today, this is going to be just phenomenal. If you, I mean, they have, we're talking with Teron Davenport, two receivers on this roster who have two caught, total, two total. Right. That's all they have. That's it. That, that That's all they have. And, you know, Robert Woods, not to say that I've studied him through 12 games, but it didn't it feel a little bit like he grabbed the bag and is just kind of 33 balls in 12 games is what he's given you. 10.8 yards a reception for one touchdown. And, you know, with Burks being out, and uh, then you got Akine with 19 receptions for 347 yards. This football team is absolutely decimated right now. They're going to beat you by running the football. And if they have some success running it, then they love the play-action strike play that they have been able to have some sort of success with. But I got to believe Jacksonville today is going to be fully aware of that. It's going to be very interesting, their defensive strategy. Even though they will have two wide receivers, it's not like Baltimore when they had the one a couple of weeks ago and you could play the big nickel. It'll be interesting to see what Mike Caldwell does today, how his defensive strategy changes in-game against this Tennessee offense. Speaking of run game, did not have the opportunity to get to the Jags locker room this week, unfortunately, because we were hosting the Fortegra High School 9-12 Invitational, the basketball holiday tournament for local high schools here. So didn't get a chance to get over there. So instead, we have a very special interview. I was able to catch up with Jaguars running backs coach Bernie Parmalee on Friday morning via the, I guess we could say fair and fair phone line. I guess we can we can call it that. Um, but I do want to give the disclaimer, Rick. So I spoke with Bernie at about 11.30 on Friday morning. What happened around 3.30 Friday afternoon? Uh, 3.30 on Friday afternoon, I drank a beer? Uh, no, the Jaguars released Daryl Henderson. Oh, I know. I had a going away party for him. Yeah, so I thought about having uh, producer Casey edit this to take that part nah, out. But nah. that's what I thought. I said, you know what, Rick? Our 1010XL, our Wingstop kickoff show listeners... They're a smart bunch. They enjoy being educated on Sunday mornings on this program. So I, I love it. See, faking, yeah. people don't want fake. Right. If you tried to fake this as live, and then all of a sudden, like, what's Mia doing asking about Daryl Henderson? Doesn't she know that Daryl Henderson is no longer? But you're coming out, you're saying, this is a tape job. And it goes back to 1130 on Friday. So I think this is the right way to do it. Right. But moreover, I want you to listen to that, knowing now that Daryl Henderson is not in the Jaguars' future plans, because I also asked about Snoop Connor and mm. how Henderson's presence affects Connor. So now knowing what we know now, here is my conversation. Pleased to be joined by Jaguars running backs coach Bernie Parmalee. Bernie, let's start big picture here. Let's take have you take us back because I want to start with something a little fun that I don't think a lot of our listeners and Jaguar fans may realize. You played with Doug Peterson. You guys were in the league at the same time. So now having coached with him for 12 games, how is Doug the coach different or similar to Doug the player? Doug the coach and the player, they're the same people. They are good people, um, love the game, got a lot of energy, um, try to put people in places where they can make plays, just like when we played, but at the same time just setting the culture. Um, just a great atmosphere. So everyone that comes in the building, man, you love coming in the building. You love practicing. And then uh, at the same time, it's very consistent. 
Has there been a moment for you, Bernie, where you've said, man, it's like deja vu. I remember this when he was a player and now he's doing this as a coach. Oh, yeah. You know, it's interesting because, you know, this is first year and we never got an opportunity to to coach together. This is the first time. Um, So obviously being a teammate, you know, from uh, from that perspective, but then getting to know him from um, the coaching perspective, he's the same guy. So I love being around him. The players love him. Uh, the coaching staff love him. And um, again, once again, we got a good working environment. So when Doug Peterson arrives in Jacksonville, he gets his staff together. I'm sure you guys had a big introductory meeting of sorts. Where is this team right now comparatively to where Doug, you, the staff may have sat down and said, this is where we want to be 12 games into the season? Well, obviously, we're not where we want to be, but we're working. We're on the right track. You know, anyone that, that watched the, the season opener to where we are now, there were some games that we we, we felt that we could have won. So, uh, but the main thing that we know is it's about us. It's not about anybody else. And that's that's the message he's preached from day one. That's the message he continues to preach. And the players, most importantly, they know that. So, um, we know what we're capable of doing it's a process and we're on the right track and we feel good about that the running back room is 180 degrees different from where it was this time one year ago how would you assess where the room is at right now and where it's been this season well uh where it is right now you know we got a we got a young group um obviously losing losing james james was a veteran guy um he still was young but we lost one, uh, but we got some really good runners. Uh, Travis, this actually being his first year, since he didn't get an opportunity to play last year. So uh, we got a, a young group that's hungry, that loves to play, loves to compete. Um, and really the ceiling is really high for those guys. And I tell those guys all the time, we just scratching the surface of what we're gonna, what we're gonna become. But they come to work every, every day. They come to work and they enjoy it. And they, they're enjoying the process also. Sometimes it's hard to enjoy the process because it's hard work, but we got guys in that room that, that look forward to it. Now, Travis, after his back-to-back-to-back 100-plus-yard games, he was telling me in the locker room, I remember after the Chiefs game and even after the Ravens game, I know he didn't play a ton, but he was telling me about how defenses are starting to take away the perimeter from him. How do you, as, as a running backs coach and with the rest of the offensive staff, how do you counter that? Well, we always come up with a game plan, and, and if all of a sudden you got your strengths and you have your weaknesses, or if you sit there and you're doing game plan and you see that you're attacking, attacking the uh, perimeter and you're having a lot of success, we know, and everyone knows, that that's probably one of the things they're going to try to take away. So with that being said, we do have inside zone. we got outside zone. we got, we got different types of plays to counteract that. So, but at the same time, if that were the case, we're going to still test it to see if, they, if they're if they going to take it away. And if so, we'll make an adjustment. I know Travis joked before the season got going that uh, once James was back, he was going to take a lot of those inside zones. He would take the tackles. <laughs> um, obviously, no James, but also Travis's game, it seems to have progressed in that regards. How have you seen him grow when it comes to those inside zone runs? He's grown a lot, really, you know. And, and it's, the big thing about him is, again, he missed all of last year. So that's a lot of reps where he could have gotten um, a lot of reps and, and experience that way. But at the same time, if you look at his college tape, and I wish I did, you know, he actually ran. He actually ran some inside zone. It's not like he's not capable of doing it. It's just what we're asking him to do and what he's been asked to do in the past. So uh, the good thing is that uh, 
you know, he got a lot of time on task with the inside zone and the outside zone, and he has the ability to, to run any type of play we want to run. What has and what will Daryl Henderson bring to this running back room and to this offense once he's able to see the field? Well, you know what? He's talented. He's talented like the rest of the group. Um, and we can't have enough weapons. That's the, that's the whole deal. You know, and, and you know, our guys have um, welcomed him in with open arms. Uh, he's doing a great job right now of just learning the offense. But uh, he brings an, a, a dynamic just like the runners, other runners. Um, and he's a playmaker. So anytime we can add a playmaker to our room, it makes us better. I know he's not a complete bruiser per se, but he can be that in-between-the-tackles guy. So if he is active, if he is the one contributing in that regards, what does that mean for Snoop Connor as he progresses and tries to crack this lineup? Well, you know what? It, it doesn't mean anything for Snoop. Snoop Snoop knows that every individual in our room knows that they just got to work on them. They just got to worry about them. Um, and if his number is called, he knows he's ready to perform. Just like a couple of games ago, he got a couple of carries and he performed. So our guys is like, I tell those guys and they know that don't worry about, don't worry about what you're going to do, what you want to do. We know you're here for a reason. Just be ready when your number's called. And when your number's called, you take care of it from there. Now I know Travis had, I believe it was still 80% of the carries. And I know it was tough to find run game opportunities a week ago, being behind the eight ball against the Lions. I know Doug has said that, you know, he, he would maybe like for Travis to not have quite that much of a workload. What's your perspective on that? Should he be seeing 80-plus percent of the carries knowing the injury he had a year ago? No, I don't think any back. That's, that's my, that's my personal, uh, personal um, opinion. Uh, you only have a few backs that they use as the bell cow. Now it's by committee. It's so much uh, – so so much so much physicality and running the ball that those guys take a lot of beating. You got to talk about practice reps. You talk about game reps. Every runner needs another runner. Actually, you need about three runners to be honest with you. So um, definitely, it, it doesn't matter if it was Travis, if it was anybody else. Uh, you all you you really need another runner also if you're going to make it through the season. Last one for me, and thanks so much again, Bernie, for your time. We were joined by Chris Jackson on the other show that I host, XL Primetime, a couple weeks ago during the bye week, and he told us that this staff is still kind of waiting for that vocal alpha to emerge, a guy who's you know going to kind of light a fire under some of the other guys in the locker room. You've been around a lot of these players for two years. Who and where will that spark come from, and maybe has it emerged over the past two, three weeks? Well, you know what, I think everyone, we, we still got a young team. And, and here's the deal, here's, here's the thing, the way I look at it. You cannot force that on anybody. It's either in their personality or it's not. And if that's that's the case, that's that's okay. That's what you have. But you can't force anybody to be that person. It's got to be natural. And if we don't have it, you don't have it. But we still have leaders. You could be a silent leader. A lot of times you don't have to be that voice you got. You can get your point across a different way. But um, right now, you know, our guys, you, you, we don't have a guy that's just a, a real, like, I'm going to come at you real hard, but we do have guys that challenges each player. And, you know, that's who we have. Bernie Parmalee, Jaguars running backs coach, thank you so much for joining us on the Wingstop kickoff show. There he goes, Bernie Parmalee. Thanks again for joining us on the Fair and Fair phone line. Curious, Rick, I know we're running a little short on time, but – your thoughts? I mean, I found it pretty interesting that when I asked Snoop Connor, there was a little bit of uh, defensiveness, at least in my estimation, because I know there's a lot of people in this town that 
have been disappointed that you traded up, but I know it was only a couple spots to get this fifth-round rookie, and he hasn't really been producing. Yeah, I mean, he's a fifth-round pick, and yeah, so much was made about trading James Robinson, and could that sixth become a fifth? And it appears that's not going to happen as he's inactive uh, once again this weekend for the Jets. But there's so much praise about a sixth to a fifth where this year's fifth has only four carries. I, I don't know what's going on there. And, and and frankly, the whole rotation at running back has been a little bit bizarre. I You know, I thought James Robinson early on in the year looked really good. I thought he was faster than before the injury. And then you look at a guy, Mia, like, you know, Jermichael Hasty, uh, two weeks ago in the victory, he had 17 touches for 95 yards. He didn't get a touch last week. I, I, and I understand that ETM was back, and I also understand that they basically took the running attack away from Jacksonville because Detroit got out to a big lead. But 67 of those yards two weeks ago for Hasty were pass receiving yards and they're not throwing to the backs as consistently as I believe that this football team would. So yeah, the, 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 you know, after Travis Etienne, it's, it's a major mystery right now at running back. Let's get Hayes Carlion's take coming up next on the Wingstop kickoff show brought to you by Kohler Homes and Clearwater Irrigation. The Wingstop kickoff show presented by Clearwater Irrigation and Kohler Homes windows and doors on 1010XL. Now let's go behind enemy lines. Behind enemy lines. Brought to you by Pella Windows and Doors on 1010XL. All right, Rick Ballou, me, O'Brien. Today, the Jaguars try to... I'll get back to uh, what? That would be three wins in their last... Four, four five. Games. Three in their last five if they win today. No, I, four, right? Oh, no, five. You're right, because yeah. the Chiefs, yep. Mm-hmm. Three out of their last five. And uh, you know what? I'm, I'm always trying to put the spin on things to make it look uh, just a little bit better. And winning three out of five certainly would. That would put them at five and eight. That would drop Tennessee to seven and six. So we'll see what happens. As a matter of fact, let's get the very latest. Let's go to Nashville, Tennessee, and check in with our friend Hayes Carline. Hayes Carline on the line now. Hello, Hayes. How are you? How are you doing on this fine morning? Good morning. It is chilly here in Nashville. Not as bad as uh, as we've had it in the past, but uh, but it will be uh, a chilly day for the Jaguars. It feels right now uh, in the 40s. It'll get up to the 50s, but it's real cloudy, uh, nasty day. Now, are you going to man up this afternoon, or did you pack no. long johns like Frank Frangie? Uh Well, I, I, I do not have long johns as a Florida boy. I don't even own long johns, um, <laughs> quite Quite honestly, they frighten me. Um, but uh, so I don't have anything like that. It's just a normal uh, jacket, and I will uh, go straight from the car and uh, hustle on in uh, to the press box where I will be uh, nice and warm. So, uh, so yes, uh, hopefully the Jaguar fans have made the trip. Uh, we'll do everything they can to stay warm, and uh, hopefully they have a great day. I mean, I you know I I I think the Titans win, uh, but Rick, I understand your. Uh, your pick. I mean, I understand Tennessee's beaten up. Um, they weren't all that great to begin with, and at some point you got to go up there and win a game. So, uh, you know, the, the the Jaguars are certainly due to win in Nashville, uh, and and they're going to have to they're going to have to get it done today. They're going to have to show some uh, mental and physical toughness that maybe we haven't seen yet this year. Hayes, what is your estimation for what Trevor Lawrence will and will not be able to do given the toe injury that he suffered last week? 
I think he's going to be close to a hundred percent, you know, in terms of it. I don't know that it's going to limit him all that much. Uh, he was great Friday in uh, open locker room. Uh, he came in and obviously there was a, a few of us in there and, and wanted to get an update on Trevor. And so our good buddy uh, D-Rock kind of, you know, sidles up to him and Trevor kind of gives PR a look like, is this okay? You know, can I talk about this? And uh, once it was all, you know, ironed out, Trevor's like, you can say, you can say, I feel great. And then he paused and he was like, actually say, I feel good. And that way it'll look like I gutted one out today. <laughs> and he <laughs> laughed. So we had a, uh, he, he was, he was really, uh, really light about it. He said, it's fine. And, and he took the shoe off in front of us. And he just had like a very little bit of a bandage around the base of, of his big toe. But, you know, it, it wasn't swollen. It wasn't bruised. It, you know, there was no obvious. Uh, injury to it and you know he talked about you know they're going to have the steel uh, plate in the shoe to kind of protect it from bending so I I really don't think it's going to bother him too much uh, today I mean that's easy for me to say but I but I don't think it's going to prevent him from running if he has to and uh, and anything like that so you know I I don't know how I you know it's it's not on Trevor I, I I think he'll play well if he's if he gets the support that he needs, but I am uh, even with the the players that the Titans won't have today up front, I am concerned about the Jaguars giving Trevor Lawrence the protection he needs on a consistent basis for him to perform well today. Yeah, even though Autry is out, they're leading you know sack man right now with seven uh, in Tennessee. Three defensive starters are out as well on that side of the football. Um, you know, every week I'm a I have that old school in me where it's about running and stopping the run. And we know that Tennessee runs well, even though that has slumped the last month. And they do a really good job defending the run. Uh, they're only allowing 83 yards a game. To me today, uh, Hayes, this is all about Trevor Lawrence. This is all about Jacksonville being able to pass the football. If they can get anything at all out of their ground attack to make it just a little bit of a balanced type of attack. I believe this sets up well for Lawrence throwing the football to his wide receivers. Yeah, I, I hope so. You know, what worries me, it, it, we, it's almost the opposite of what we talked about last week with Detroit. Detroit was awful on third down, uh, on their way to being historically awful on third down. Uh, Tennessee is the opposite. They are outstanding uh, with their third down defense, uh, 30.4%. That's a big concern today. The Jaguars cannot have a two of 11 on third down today and be successful. And, and so it's going to come down to Trevor Lawrence. I, you know, I, I don't think you can expect ETN to run for 135 yards and, and really make things easy today. Hopefully he'll have some moments, but, uh, but yeah, I think it, I think a lot of it's going to fall on Trevor Lawrence uh, to move the ball. And, and I am concerned about the defensive looks that he's going to see. And if, if he's prepared for them. So, um, you know, I, I think it's a big challenge, and I, I think it's going to be a, a tough day for the Jaguar offense in general. I, I would be surprised if they score more than 24 in this game. couple more for Hayes Carlion on the Fair and Fair phone line as we go behind enemy lines. Hayes, you were also in Detroit last week. What do you make of the Jaguars' defense, big picture, as it currently stands, and their chances against a Titans team that obviously doesn't pass the ball a whole lot, and when they do, it's been – mediocre returns, but they do still have Derrick Henry. I would put it 60% on coaching 
and 40% on the talent. I, I don't think they've done a good job. I don't think Mike Caldwell is doing a good job, uh, the coordinator of developing these players, of, of creating the right scheme, uh, of adjusting the scheme. Uh, you've had Devin Lloyd every day since, and I get he was hurt, but you still had him in your building uh, every day since July. He's lost. Uh, this is going to be a big game for him with Chad Muma out to prove that he's making strides. Uh, you know, we're not seeing a lot of growth from, you know, a lot of the younger players. Um, we're seeing some veterans that were playing well early that aren't, um, you know, but to me, it's, it, it'd be too easy to say, well, these are all just, these are all the players problems. You know, it, they've got, they've got seven defensive players that are all slumping and no one's really playing great football. To me, that, that, at this level, that that can't happen. It's 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 got to be that you know the teaching is is not what it needs to be, and you know Mike Caldwell. It's the first time he's done this. I you know I I asked Doug Peterson after the the Lions debacle. You know, will you get more involved in it? And he said, No, that's not my expertise. So I mean, this is clearly Mike Caldwell's job to fix, and I I think it starts there. I I I find it hard to believe that all these assets have been spent on the defensive side of the ball and this is the result of that this is this is the best you could expect is that they would be a bad defense I just I, it doesn't add up to me so I, I I'm concerned about the direction of the defense under Mike Caldwell and hopefully uh, you know hopefully once they get into the offseason I don't know that there's a whole lot they're going to be able to change now. Uh, and and they do have a problem at corner opposite Tyson Campbell. That's a personnel problem. But the the lack of the pass rush to me is more schematic than it is. Uh, you know, they just don't have the right guys. All right, Hayes. Last one from me, and it's it, it's a two parter. Uh, you and I had a, a healthy conversation about it on Death Taxes and Duval, which is our podcast. You can get it by going to ten ten XL dot com. But how does this team respond after? Everything that happened a week ago, the the Monday off, the reward of the win, then just the complete laydown in Detroit. Your thoughts there. And the opposite side, after the GM getting fired in Tennessee, how did the Titans come out? Because to me, the best way to make the point about Tennessee is this. They've lost two in a row as well. And, and people, I think, are overlooking the fact that they played a, a, a Cincinnati team tough and they let one really get away last week at Philadelphia. So I got to believe they're as, as angry as Jacksonville. I think so too. I, I do think that the Jaguars have a cultural problem when it comes to handling success. And it's something, this isn't a Doug Peterson thing because it, it really seems like it's been almost every coach that's been here. When the Jaguars win a game, they act like Vanderbilt winning an SEC game. You know, they, they, they act like, there's a surprise that they've won and therefore they're going to celebrate all week. They're not going to work on Monday and the good teams in this league. That's not how they view it. You know, you win a game. Okay. You move on to the next one. Guess what? More often than not, you probably come in on Monday and get some work done as a team. Um, and, and, and again, it was an unbelievable comeback uh, against the Ravens. You know, obviously I understand the excitement in the locker room. Uh, I'm not saying they shouldn't have that, but, there's just this feeling in the organization of, okay, we won a game, we can relax. And they end up playing lousy the next week. And the Detroit game was the prime example of that. I, I think as Doug Peterson continues to build this, 
I would advise them, look, you know, when, when you guys win games, you can't act like, you know, you guys are, are getting ready to hang a banner. I mean, it's, it's got, there's got to become a belief of, yes, we won, we expected to win. I mean, they act like a team that doesn't expect to win. And so when they fall into victories, it's almost like they don't know how to handle it. And I do think it's, it's an issue, and it's been an issue. Uh, and uh, so I, I, am, I am anxious to see how it goes. And, yeah, I expect the Titans to play with a lot of fire today. I mean, you want to get the attention of professional athletes, fire the general manager. I mean, obviously that is a massive, massive move uh, from Tennessee ownership. And it is absolutely going to uh, get the attention of, of the Tennessee players who know that, you know, they're one phone call away in the offseason from being told, hey, we're releasing you. And, you know, you don't know what the next contract is going to look like. So, yeah, and, and I think Mike Vrabel is, is, does such an outstanding job. I, I pray that one day Ohio State hires him away from Tennessee and, and he's out of the AFC South and no longer a Jaguar nemesis. But, yeah, I think today Tennessee plays well. I think Jaguars will, will do some good things. But I think Tennessee is tougher. And until the Jaguars prove me wrong on that, I'm going to pick Tennessee when the Jaguars come up to Nashville. So I think ugly game. I think it's the perfect Titans game. And I think it's a game they win 19-16. to 16. All right. I was going to ask for the score prediction, but there it is. 19-16 is what Hayes Carlion says this one will be. All right, Hayes. Enjoy the rest of the trip in Nashville. And uh, maybe the Jags can prove you wrong. I would love love for it to happen. You guys have a wonderful day. Thank you. See you, Hayes. There he goes, Hayes Carlon. Uh, we each and every day, three to six, after me and company, and before yours truly, six to eight. They, they've won two in a row this year, um, which is promising. It's the first time they've won two in a row since uh, 2019. They haven't won three in a row since 2017, the year they went to the AFC championship game. I, I agree with Hayes there. Uh, you don't, we always talk about responding after a loss. What about responding after a win? This team has struggled after they do have limited success. Which means I have never seen a three-game Jaguars win streak in person because I did not arrive until 2018. Yeah, in, in 2017, they had a four-game win streak. Then they lost at Arizona 27-24. Remember about their whole problems out, out west. And then they won three straight over Indy, Seattle, and Houston. Some people do forget before, you know, they began that playoff run, which had a home game here with Buffalo, went to Pittsburgh and won, then lost to New England. They actually lost their last two regular season games, both at San Francisco and right there in Nashville. And that was a abysmal Nashville or, or Tennessee team, I should say. Coldest, coldest day yet, 2017. Never forget. It, yep. Thankfully, that won't be uh, a key to this game, Rick, because they say it's 50-some-odd degrees, even if um, Hayes Carline still requires long johns. Let's hit those <laughs> keys to the key. It's keys to the game brought to you by Instant Keys coming up next on 1010XL 92.5 FM. I don't think the Riddler does a lot of rap music traditionally with his, uh, his music riddles on the Wingstop Kickoff Show brought to you by Clearwater Irrigation and Kohler Homes. But this is the second of three. Yeah. Some M&M. Mm-hmm. Waking you up on this fine Rock Sunday morning. Hall of Famer. Week 14 edition of the Wingstop Kickoff Show. So we'll file this away as we attempt to solve producer Casey's riddle with all of his music. I mean, why would you put Jake Giles or Jethro Tull or Sticks or Bag Company in the Hall of Fame when you can put M&M 
in the rock and roll. Isn't Dolly Parton in there too? She is. Yeah. But she at least sings. We respect the queen. She sings Stairway to Heaven. Yeah. You ever heard her? She sounds like a little gremlin singing Stairway to Heaven. I'm telling you, it's one of the greatest things. If you have a moment, or in this case, 10 moments, because it takes about that long to play Stairway to Heaven, she sings it. And it's really, really bizarre. We don't have a lot of time right now. I'm going yeah, to table that for later. Yeah, so let's hit yeah. our uh, on key- your own time. Let's hit our keys to the game. Now the keys to the game. Brought to you by Instant Keys. Fast, professional, honest locksmith service. All right, let's keep it plain and simple, direct to the point, as we are low on time, Rick Ballou on the Wingstop kickoff show. Um, For me, key to the game, like you said, has to be that the Jaguars have to get this passing attack going. But moreover, to get that passing attack going, their offensive line has to keep Trevor Lawrence upright. Beyond the fact that he suffered the injury last week, it's the fact that Cam Robinson didn't just miss that assignment. He allowed four pressures and two sacks against the Detroit Lions. And that's a Detroit Lions front that really isn't that intimidating. And while, yes, the Titans will be without some of their big pieces in their front seven, at the same time, you cannot allow back-to-back performances where the quarterback is so susceptible to the opposing defense. Yeah, it's a good point. And, you know, pro football focus had him for the two sacks. I thought one wasn't on him. He slid inside, and Hutchinson was left wide open. Uh, ETN did not pick him up as he came back, you know, behind the line of scrimmage and pass protect. So that was an issue. Nonetheless, it was it was not a great game for Cam Robinson in that offense. Uh, for me, I, you know, it's it's really simple uh, in this football game. Make Tannehill beat you if you can do a good job today against. Derrick Henry. And and what I mean by a good job, if I, I'm going to look at carries because carries do what? Carries take the clock. Carries keeps the offense on the football field and it keeps Jacksonville's offense on the sideline. If you can keep Derrick Henry to under 20 carries and somewhere in the neighborhood of, you know, 80 to 90 yards, I, I think Jacksonville finds a way to win. Make Tanny Hill beat you by passing the football in the air, if that's the case today, I like the Jags to get the victory. My key to the game slash X factor in this one, not just because they will be charged with the task of stopping Devin Lloyd, but because with only two wide receivers really on this roster for Tennessee, the tight end position is going to be critical. And so my X factor in this one is with Devin Lloyd presumably back in the starting lineup with Chad Muma out, can Foye Aluakon both direct the young rookie have the mic at times and be the play caller on defense for this Jaguars defense and also be charged with stopping Austin Hooper, who I think could have a huge role in this Titans offense because the Jaguars have been susceptible to tight ends and because, quite frankly, there's not a lot of other people for Ryan Tannehill to throw the ball to. And I think ditto goes for our guy, Jeff Swain, former Jaguar alert. And also, uh, which I always mispronounce his last name, but Chiggy Akonkawo, the Maryland rookie tight end. I think that those three... Listen, it's not. I don't think that they're. None of them are Travis Kelsey. None of them are Mark Andrews. But I think that it's going to be critical for this linebacking play for Jag for the Jaguars to be elevated if they're to stop those guys and the run. Final thought for me on this: uh, around here forever, whether it doesn't matter who the head coach has been, doesn't matter who the offensive coordinator has been, doesn't matter who the quarterback has been. Jacksonville has started slow. They changed that the first eight games this year. They were scoring in the first quarter. They were scoring in the first half. Look at the last month. Down 23 last week at Detroit. 
down 6 nothing against Baltimore, but you had a couple of drop touchdown passes. That very easily could have been 14 nothing Baltimore. You're down 20 nothing to KC. You're down 17 nothing here against the Raiders. Of course, they did come from behind and knock off Baltimore. They did come from behind and knock off Las Vegas. Get things going early today. Feel free to score a touchdown or at least get a field goal in this first quarter. Last month, or the entire last month, Jacksonville has struggled to score points in the first half. You do not want to have to play come-from-behind football on the road in Tennessee. Those are your keys to the game brought to you by Instant Keys. And our final segment coming just a couple minutes away, we will head back into the locker room as Hayes Carline catches up with Christian Kirk. Our final thoughts, our picks, and even a tailgate giveaway from Wingstop. Don't go anywhere. The Wingstop kickoff show continues right after this. This 1010XL 92.5 FM hour is powered by Anajar and Levine Accident Attorneys. Call 1-800-747-3. That's 1-800-747-3733. The Wingstop Kickoff Show, presented by Clearwater Irrigation and Kohler Homes Windows and Doors on 1010XL. Inching closer and closer to kickoff between the Jaguars and Titans and closer and closer to figuring out the riddle of producer Casey Dobson through all of his songs on this morning's Wingstop kickoff show. Rick, any guesses? Um, Something about uh, no. Yeah, this, no. One's, this one's stumping me. Good times, bad times. Uh, no. Jimmy Page, maybe? Paul Rogers, Jimmy Page? The, nah, The Firm? Nah, he's not going to do that. I, the Eminem threw me. The Eminem threw you. Eminem got to me uh, in a way that I didn't expect, so. You're going to add that to your 8-track, though. We had what? Creed, Led Zeppelin, Eminem, Bad Company. Who did I miss? Who else did we play? That, we had four because we were running low it. on time, so we have those four songs. So maybe this will help. Here we go. One more clue. Let's get ready to rumble! Someone's getting beat. Someone's getting beaten up. We just don't know who it is. Uh, Derek, Hopefully it's Tennessee. Derek Henry, the bulldozer, maybe, perhaps. All right, Casey, let us in. What is the riddle? This guy, he's been wide awake <laughs> with his Dunkin' Donuts since the morning. I, moment I walked I in know, here this I'm morning. I'm ready to steal one of those. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, free sponsorship right there. Free plug for Dunkin'. Okay, so every single one of those songs was pulled from a boxing movie. Oh. We are fixing to get into a fight with them Tennessee Ooh. Titans. I like the way So you let's think. get ready to rumble. You know what I'm saying? Yeah, there I like the go. way you think. I do think it is going to be, I mean, like you like you said, Rick, I think the way the Jaguars win this game is they don't let it become a boxing match. They don't let this be a no. ground and pound Mike Vrabel signature game. Yeah, there's, there's no doubt. You you don't want that type of uh, of scenario that does favor Tennessee. Did you notice that Casey corrected you? It's no longer Dunkin' Donuts. They went oh, through a yes. major marketing campaign. Just Dunkin'. You just got to call it Dunkin' now. Just Dunkin'. Yeah, we're, we're, we're catching up with the times. That's what uh, the kids called it. <laughs> yeah. Speaking of uh, food, uh, y'all ready to give some wings away? Yeah, let's do it. All right, so I got a gift certificate for a tailgate wing fest from Wingstop to be used at any. You know what? It doesn't need to be said Jacksonville. Duval location. Call me. Uh, you know what? I want that fifth win today, guys. 
Caller number five, six, four, one, 10, 10. I like where your head's at. I like where your head's at. Hey, before we give our final predictions, let's head back into the Jaguars locker room one more time. Hayes Carlion caught up with Christian Kirk. He of 105 yard performance one week ago today on Friday. All right, we're pleased to be joined with Jaguars receiver Christian Kirk here on 1010XL 92.5 FM. It's great to see you. How are you doing? Good to see you as well. I'm doing great. Good week? Yeah, great week so far. Yeah, You getting ready for uh, Christmas? Doing my best, yeah, you know, yeah. trying to get all the, the presents ordered and whatnot. And <laughs> Doug says it's, uh, you know, we call it eliminating distractions. And that's definitely one of them during this time of year is trying to get all the Christmas presents ordered. Absolutely. You got a favorite Christmas carol? Uh... I don't. I wouldn't say I don't. Like I like. Uh, was it like Michael Bublé? Yeah. It's beginning to look a lot like Christmas and stuff go, like yeah. that. Like I like that. So just the traditional stuff. Very cool. Very cool. All right. Well, huge game this week. Uh, obviously, this is one you got to get to stay in the the tournament. Um, what's kind of the mindset of the team going into the the big game in Nashville? Yeah, it's that. Is that this is a big one. It's a must win. Uh, we know what's on the line, and you know, with them being in first place, um, you know, they're they're the one at the top that we're all going for. So. You know, for us, it's just coming out, um, you know, playing intense, playing physical, and, uh, you know, discipline in our, in our game plan. What's the responsibility you guys have this week in practice when, you know, Trevor's not able to go as he kind of recovers from the toe, at least in practice, to make sure everything's sharp for game day? Yeah, it's just being in the right places, you know, where we're supposed to be, um, you know, at all times, you know, when we're supposed to be there, uh, especially for us as receivers, is just being on our spots, you know, so when he comes in, he can kind of, you know, pick up where he left off from. But, you know, I thought CJ did a great job, you know, coming in and, you know, not losing a step. And, uh, you know, we're prepared for any situation on Sunday. Uh, and I thought the guys did a great job, you know, preparing. And Trevor showed incredible toughness on Sunday in Detroit. Uh, it looks like he'll be able to go. So uh, big boost having him out there. And what, what, did, what did he show you from a toughness standpoint? Um, you know, nothing that I didn't already know about him. You know, I know he's a tough kid and, you know, he's taking some shots this season and, some, and battled through some things. And, uh, has never flinched, never blinked the whole time. So, uh, you know, he's he's always kind of been that way, and you know, you don't really expect anything, um, you know, less of him. What stands out about Tennessee secondary and what they like to do back there? Yeah, um, you know, nothing, nothing too exotic. Uh, you know, they're not going to try to trick you out of what they're doing. Uh, you know, you're going to know what they're in. You know, when you line up, but they're disciplined, they're physical, they play fast, and they play hard. And so, you know, for us, it's just matching that. You know, being able to match that and you know, stay disciplined in what we're doing. Are you happy with the season you're having? The numbers are pretty good. Uh, I, and I know, obviously, you wish the wins were probably more. But from an individual standpoint, Christian, how do you feel like it's gone for you so far this year? Yeah, I think it's, you know, gone pretty good. And um, definitely feel like I've I've left a, a decent amount out there. Um, you know, but like you mentioned, you know, I just, uh, you know, hope and, and keep want to continue trying to accumulate that into wins. Um, you know, that was my main goal, to come here and help win football games. And, just feel like we haven't done that enough and you know I for sure you know personally um, want to be able to, to help change the game and you know help us help us put W's on on the on the board so um, you know personally it's been you know a pretty good year um, you know but still not done yet got a lot left and you know want to want to keep you know trending upwards you know going into the back half of the season. What was Doug's approach for you guys this week coming off the the lopsided loss? Uh, flush it, you know, flush it. Obviously, it was disappointing. You know, nobody wanted to watch it. Nobody wanted to be a part of that. Um, so it's just flush it. And, uh, you know, we know the challenge that we have at hand. Uh, you know, we're still in it. So, you know, we just got to take control of our destiny. 
Yeah, two games against them. Uh, that's that seems unique uh, for division teams to be not having met this deep into the season. Have you ever experienced anything like that? Yeah, um, you know, definitely. I think last year, uh, if I'm not mistaken, we played Seattle in the last, um, you know, five games of the season twice. So um, it's it's common, um, you know, even if it's in the back half of the season. Sometimes it happens within. You know, the middle part of the season, you know, you see a team within, the, you know, four weeks of one another. So it's just, uh, you know, preparing each week and, you know, being able to adjust, you know, on the fly and, you know, be able to, to, to match, you know, what each team is doing. Does it make it more specific in terms of the film that you'll watch on Tennessee? Because you guys have played so many common opponents. Do you do you go back further or do you still focus on like the last three or do you look at common opponents like when you when you study Tennessee what's kind of the stuff that you you really hone in on when it's the first meeting so late in the year uh you know you really hone on stuff that teams have done that you know we run similarly um you try to look at a system that's similar to ours and stuff that we like to do concepts we like to get to you know run scheme wise and whatnot and so you try to break it down by that and then you know there's some outliers as well but uh, you know, our coaches do a great job of being able to kind of rifle through all that film and, you know, put together cut-ups, you know, for us, you know, to see the stuff that we need to see and get ready for the game. Awesome. Christian Kirk, thanks so much for your time. Best of luck Sunday in Nashville. Thanks, guys. Appreciate it. There he goes. Hayes Carlisle with Christian Kirk. And as Frank Frangie said, needs to have a big day. He absolutely does. And, you know, you could hear the yelling and, and hooting and hollering going on in the background. So so this team is over the loss. And, you know, they're loose and they're they're ready to go. And, you know, I, I believe we are going to get an upset victory today by the Jaguars. I, I just, I've looked at Tennessee. I've watched them play a lot of football this year. And if you do not play their style of football, I think you can win. Their style of football is in the ditch. They're a physical football team. And even with their injuries, that is playing Tennessee's game. A low scoring game is Tennessee's game. They are going to have to open up their passing offense this afternoon. If Jacksonville is able to do that, and it's a higher scoring game, they get out of there with the W. What is the Jaguars' style of football under Doug Peterson? That's a question that I know we talked about at the start of the season, and I think in some regards we're still trying to figure it out. Well, it's not going as planned because you only have 25 receptions by ETN, and the tight end position has not been dominant the way that I figured it would. In the five years in Philadelphia, Doug Peterson had one 1,000-yard player, and that was a tight end in Zach Ertz. You're going to get 1,000 yards here by Christian Kirk. Heck, he could get it today with a monster game. If not, he'll get it next week against Dallas. So uh, I, I want to say a little bit more finesse uh, than than a power game. And, and even though Travis Etienne, the exact opposite, has been a little bit more physical than I believe I saw him be at Clemson so I think they're still trying to figure out everything as far as the actual identity of this football team and you know against the run early on this year Jacksonville's playing some really good football they've let that get away they've allowed 40 27 and 27 in their last three games they've allowed an average of 446 yards in their last three games Tennessee can win a game by putting up 200 yards. That's what's amazing. Tennessee could end up today with 200 yards, and when it's all said and done, you could see them win a game 17-14. But you're picking the Jags. I am. I'm staying with Jacksonville in this one. All right. How Casey. about you? Casey. Oh, I was going to say, let's go around the horn. Let's go right. to producer Casey. Jaguars get that fifth win, 23-17. I'm done. 
This guy's always the eternal optimist. He I feel is. Like, I feel we like, love I, him. Have you picked against the Jaguars this year? Uh, maybe, but uh, that's in the past. Let's look forward to today. Oh, I like that. I like that. Control what you can control, right? That's what that's what they uh, they say. And in the words of Doug Peterson, so what, now what? So he said that with regards to a win over the Colts and a win over the Chargers. Can we say that with regards to what they're hoping was an outlier last week against the Detroit Lions? I think this one, I would like for this one to be a shootout. Because I do think that's where the Jaguars have a fighting chance. But you got to beat them in Tennessee before I pick you. You got to beat them in Tennessee before I pick you. It's History has not been kind to this team up in Nashville. I'm going to pick a repeat of the 2020 performance. 33-30, I have the Titans winning, but a little bit closer. That line of three and a half, Rick, that hook with the half, it's appetizing. It's appetizing. Three and a half playing a massive over, 41. You got to – see, I I can't see Tennessee winning that type of game. 33-30? We'll see. I, I got them very low scoring. I, I like the Jags today, 17-14. Okay, you're keeping okay. it low, you and I'm Hayes keeping Carlisle. it the under the 41. All right, that's that's your that's your prediction. Yeah, I'm, we'll see. We'll see what happens because I don't think anybody saw the 40-burger coming last week. Nope. Maybe the Jags can score 40 this week and uh, shock the world, get back on track, and get that fifth win of the season. That does it for the Wingstop kickoff show brought to you by Kohler Homes and Clearwater Irrigation. Some more M&M for you. Ah, as we as we say goodbye on love this it. week 14 edition, Rick Ballou, Mia O'Brien, thank you to producer Casey Dobson. Thank you to Frank Frangi, Hayes Carlion, both up in Nashville. The Publix Tailgate Show with J.P. Shadrick and friends comes up next. You are listening to the flagship station of the Jacksonville Jaguars, 1010XL and 92.5 FM.